My brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, and I'd like to focus on an aspect of the Eucharist, of our Eucharistic devotion and worship that maybe is doesn't get a lot of attention, uh, and it's a little counterintuitive, but it has to do with the viewing or the showing and the viewing or the gazing upon of the Eucharist. It's a little counterintuitive in the sense that uh, normally you'd think the Eucharist being uh, coming to us in the form of bread and wine would be something that you eat, not something that you look at. Why are we looking? What's this whole idea of looking at the Eucharist? There's this really important and kind of neglected aspect of our Eucharistic worship that has to do with gazing upon, looking upon the Eucharist. It's kind, it's kind of, it's notable. It's a little strange. And probably most of us uh, recognize what this uh, liturgical or this devotional implement is. What's this? A monstrance, yeah. Isn't it, when I when I was younger, I always thought that word was kind of weird. It, it reminded me of monster. What what is it? Does anybody know like the Latin behind that monstrance? It's a, there's a Latin root monstrare, and in Italian mostrare, it ha, it means to show. Okay, so this is this is an implement that shows forth the precious body of our Lord in the Eucharist. And so you, probably most of us are familiar with this, but in this, in this, the way that this one's designed, you have the, I think it's called the lunette, and you place the consecrated host in this, and then you put it there, you put it like that, you set it on the altar, and you gaze upon the Eucharist. It's a form of worship of the Eucharist. What are we doing here with this devotion? Especially in Corpus Christi, I, I hope you have the opportunity to join us in Clyde today after Mass, after the 10.30 Mass, we're going to be having a Eucharistic procession. And I'll process down the street to the park in Clyde with this in my hands. There's going to be a canopy and incense and the cross and all of this kind of stuff. And we'll be singing and doing benediction and it's going to be really neat. So please come and join us. Uh, so this whole idea of showing forth the Eucharist and the usage of the monstrance is something that's very... Uh, integral part of the Feast of Corpus Christi. What's all that about? Well, I, I, from what I understand, I'm not directly familiar with it, but familiar with it through reading is in the 70s or so, there were certain theological trends and currents of thought within the church that said something like Eucharistic exposition, the use of the monstrance for devotional purposes, is really kind of a distortion of the sacrament of the Eucharist. We shouldn't be gazing upon the Eucharist. We should be eating it, not looking at it. Okay, and uh, that really is not true. Okay, that is not true. Eucharistic exposition is a devotion that has organically developed over the course of centuries, based on the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of the faithful, who have a deep uh, appreciation for what's taking place in the Mass. And really, this whole idea of exposition—it's like a snapshot or a freeze frame of one particular moment in the Mass. And what, what moment is that? It's right at the consecration. Right after the consecration, when the priest elevates the host, and boom, it's like that moment right there in the Mass. It's like a picture of that. It's a freeze frame, and it's an extension of that one moment. It's a very special moment in the Mass. It's a moment where the, the rubrics or the directions of the liturgy instruct the priest to show to the people the 
the Eucharistic species of the body and the blood show to the people. That's what that elevation is supposed to be. It's actually a showing forth. And so we're gazing, and the people are to gaze upon the host and upon the chalice full of the precious blood. You know, what, what is all of that about? Why, why the gazing? Well, it's because this is to remind us that this Eucharistic meal, which is a sacred meal, of course, this Eucharistic meal leads us to a special vision. And that is the, what we call the blessed vision. And I've preached about this in times past. The beatific vision, in, in fancier terms. The beatific vision, the blessed vision of God. This is what we were created for. We were, we were made to gaze, not with the eyes of our body, but with the eyes of our minds. We were made to gaze, a spiritual gaze, upon the blessed trinity for all eternity. That's what we were created for. That's our destiny. That's our calling. Everything in our lives as Christian disciples, everything should be ordered as a means to that end. That is our supreme calling, our supreme end. And so the Eucharist is a privileged vehicle that helps us achieve that end. And so in the Mass, we have moments where we gaze upon the Eucharist because it reminds us that this is our destiny, is to gaze upon God Almighty. Right now, we gaze upon him under the veil of, uh, of bread and wine. Okay, we, we gaze upon him in the light of faith. But in the beatific vision, we will gaze directly upon God, not in faith, but we will gaze upon him through the medium of the light of glory, and we will see God directly. It's completely beyond our conception right now. It's a total mystery. And so we walk by faith. But then when we arrive at that vision, they will, there will be sight and not faith, but, but pure and true sight. So we have this practice of gazing upon the Eucharist at the time of the consecration. It prepares us for that ultimate gazing, that ultimate vision. And the beatific vision itself, this is very neat too, within our tradition, within scripture and in our tradition, the beatific vision itself is likened to a feast, to a sacred meal, as it were. Okay, So there's a part in the Mass, you'll recall, there's another elevation. It's right before communion. The priest holds up the host over the chalice, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. What is the supper of the Lamb being referred to in the liturgy? It's, it's a reference to the Eucharistic banquet, which we're about to, re- to participate in. But more fundamentally, it's a reference to the beatific vision. The beatific vision itself is referred to as the Supper of the Lamb. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. It is this final glorious feast where we will feast not upon food, but our minds and our hearts will feast upon the lights of God. And we will be fulfilled in, in total fulfillment and perfect joy, perfect happiness and delight. There's a beautiful prayer that's prayed after communion time. Uh, it was written by Thomas Aquinas, and it goes like this. The end of it goes like this. I beseech you, Heavenly Father, to lead me to that banquet beyond all telling. The, the beatific vision is called the banquet beyond all telling. Where with your Son and the Holy Spirit, you are the true light of your saints. Fullness of satisfied desire, eternal gladness, consummate delight, and perfect happiness. Perfect happiness, perfect delight, perfect satisfaction. 
Why is this vision likened to a feast? Well, feasts bring us communion with one another. They bring us joy. And so this feast of our minds on the light of God, on the, on the vision of the Blessed Trinity, will bring us communion with God Almighty and with one another. And it will bring us joy, joy unspeakable. And furthermore, feasts or food fill us. we got an empty stomach, they get filled up. Okay, And so it's an apt metaphor for the beatific vision, which is the fulfillment of our human nature. It's the very reason why we were created. How wonderful. We see this in our gospel today, the Lord performing this miracle, the multiplication of loaves and fishes, which itself is a, is a symbol that points to the Eucharist that he would institute at the Last Supper. And it says at the end that they all ate and they were satisfied. And there was such an, a, a bounty, there was such an overflow of goodness, of satisfaction, that they took 12 baskets full of the bread and the fish that, that couldn't be consumed. There was so much left over. So that's, that is a, a, an image of the beatific vision. There's so much glory and radiance and goodness in the vision of God that it's like overflowing. We can't consume it all. It's like we're putting our mouth to a hose and the water is just splashing all over our face. We can't actually consume it, take it all in. Because God is infinite. And there is more than enough God to satisfy all of who we are. The Eucharist, my brothers and sisters, is a real anticipation. It's not just a symbolic anticipation of this feast, of this blessed vision. It's a real anticipation of the beatific vision. In it, we behold Christ himself through the light of faith. And it prepares us, as I had said, to behold him in the light of glory in that beatific vision. This is shown forth in the life of a saint by the name of St. Pascal. just read about him recently. He was a very uh, holy man. He joined the Franciscans. This is about 500 years ago, so late in the Counter-Reformation time period, about 1580 or so. He died 1590s. And he had such a great devotion to the Eucharist, but it was a devotion to the particular point of the Mass of the Consecration, right after the Consecration. That's... That's where all his sorts of love and energies and attractions seemed to be focused. It was right after the consecration took place and the elevation the, and the priest would hold up the host and that's where he found from a very young age all of his attraction and his devotion and his love. And at that time they had a custom around the time of the Holy, Holy, Holy or the Sanctus at that time of the Mass, the church bells would be rung. It was called the elevation bell. And so what it did is it informed the people that the Eucharistic prayer was beginning. And so if you were in town and you wanted to stop by in church and just attend Mass for that one brief moment of the elevation, you could do that. And so that was a custom that people would do all throughout Spain and Italy and, and different countries in Europe. And so he would do that as a young boy all the time. Uh, one time he was shepherding sheep out in the fields and he heard the elevation bell and he longed so deeply to go to Mass to see that part, to see the elevation, to behold Christ lifted up and, and adored. And he said, Oh Lord, if only I could see you. That was the prayer of his heart. And suddenly he had a vision. He looked up in the sky and there was, as it were, now this is daytime, it's kind of like it was a bright star and it, it started to sort of shimmer and then grow larger and expand and then, as it were, the heavens themselves were sort of rent or split apart and the veil of the heavens was pulled back and what he saw was a beautiful golden chalice with a sacred host suspended over it and angels, myriads of angels all around this chalice and this host 
falling down in adoration and worship. Okay, And so that was an image of what takes place at every Mass. When our Lord, our Eucharistic Lord, becomes present on our altars, the angels are here with us and we join in with them. And that's why we sing Holy, 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 because that is the song of the angels. We're joining in angelic worship every time we celebrate sacred, uh, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And St. Pascal, he would uh, be known for visits to the Blessed Sacrament. So whenever there's a church, you know, if it was open, he would go in and he would just spend a minute praying before the, the tabernacle, knowing that our Eucharistic Lord is there. He would do that all the time, constantly, many, many, many times every day. When he became a Franciscan, he didn't become a priest. So he would serve the, pri- the masses of the priests that they would have to say every day. And there were many masses that would be said. And he would serve upwards of eight to ten or so masses, one right after the row as, as an altar boy, so to speak, an altar server. And his devotion to the Eucharist would only grow. He wouldn't get tired as he would serve from one Mass to the next. And finally on his deathbed, it says he was in the infirmary, he had, was, had lost his hearing, and he said it was Pentecost Sunday, and he said to the people who were attending him, please let me know when the elevation bell rings. And so that very special moment of the Mass that he had dedicated his whole life to, gazing upon Christ, the moment that the elevation bell rung and he was informed of it, he expired, he died. And he entered into the beatific vision. He entered into that vision of God that he had prepared himself for throughout the course of his entire life through his devotion to the elevation, through his devotion to gazing upon our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. So my brothers and sisters, um, we have First Fridays. We do exposition First Fridays in Lyons. So if you're not aware of that, that's something that you might be interested in joining. First Fridays in Lyons, we're going to continue to do that uh, from about... Uh, 8 o'clock in the morning after Mass until about noon, we, we do exposition. And today we've got the Corpus Christi procession, uh, where there will be exposition and benediction and, and a beautiful procession uh, through uh, the town to the park and the gazebo. So please come and join us. Adore our Lord and prepare us. Prepare, prepare yourself. Prepare all of us together. Let's prepare ourselves for that blessed vision by gazing upon the Holy Eucharist.